following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. The, the uh, crazy guy sitting next to her, amen. Job chapter 1 tonight. Job chapter 1. And we'll look at verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> Job 1, verses 1 and 2. Here the Bible says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was a perfect and upright one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. Again, finishing up God's record of Job's children. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, as we look into thy word, Father, thank you for it. And Father, thank you for your people. Father, thank you for their faithfulness to the Lord. And Father, uh, Lord, for their being here tonight, I pray, Father, that you would visit with us, speak to our hearts, teach us thy word concerning this matter, and Father, Lord, help us, Lord, uh, as we are, uh, why, as things are winding down in our building project, as we're getting things done, I pray, God, that you'd help us with all the details, all the different things we have yet to get done. Father, thank you for those who have helped with that, and Lord, help us tonight. Father, we have all of us spiritual needs. I pray that you'd meet those needs in thee, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the record of uh, Job's children. And God has left for us a record of Job and his children. If you look with me, uh, Job 16 and 16. Job 16 and uh, verse 16. <clears throat> Here Job says, My face is foul with weeping, and, my eye, and on my eyelids is the shadow of death. Not for any injustice in mine hands, also my prayer is pure. O earth, cover not the blood, uh, cover not thou my blood, and let my cry ha- and uh, let my cry have no place. Also, behold, my witness is in heaven, and my record is on high. O my friends, scorn me, but mine eye poureth out tears unto God. O that one might plead for a man with God, as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. When a few years are come, then I shall go the way whence I shall not return. The Lord is witness of things. God has given us a record of his dealings with man, and particularly a record of Job's life and sufferings and what have you, so that we can learn from them. In Job 1 and verse 2, and there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. We talked about the fact that Job's children did uh, go unnamed, and yet they have a new name written in heaven. And then we began to talk about uh, the fact that Job's children did not go unnumbered. We talked last week about, and we took the uh, ladies first. It says he were one of them seven sons and three daughters. We talked about the number three or three daughters. If you will, Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah 6. It's not a mistake that God uses numbers in the scripture. Although I want us, you know, to remember this, you want to be careful not to go to seed on anything. You know, sometimes people get so involved with numerology and numbers in the Bible that they go to an extreme. They are important, and we can learn from them. In Isaiah 64, and uh, if you will uh, look at verse 1 of the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly, and one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. It's not an accident that God 
has uh, the prophets say, or these, uh, uh, um, if you will, holy uh, beings, holy, holy, holy. And that refers to, if you will, the Trinity, uh, the Godhead, uh, three persons in that one God, if you will, in First Peter chapter 1. And we are to be as he is, First Peter chapter 1 and 13. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be, be sober, and hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And folks, the Lord is coming. Amen. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. The Lord God is holy. And if you will, First John 5 and verse 7. 1 John 5 and 7, the number 3 refers to the number of God. And we took a lot of time to look at it, but the Bible says you're playing in 1 John 5 and 7, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, uh, the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, three persons and yet one God. And God is involved in every area of our lives, folks, especially this matter of children and a family and home and we know that God established uh, a procreation or the bringing of children into this world uh, through the home. And Job was a family man and had three daughters according to the number uh, that God wanted him to have. Now, you know, some people have differing ideas about all that. We'll talk about that more as we talk about the second thing. Look with me to Job 1 and 2. Job 1 and 2. <clears throat> You know, sometimes it, it behooves us to take the time and look and consider some of these things as we consider these numbers in reference to children. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. Three, again, is the number of God, and God is involved in the matter of giving us children and the number of children we should have. And let me say this, these are not the perfect numbers in, in the sense that you have to have ten children to be right with God. There's no exa exact number of children that we're to have, but these numbers point us to God. And then the number seven, or the number of seven sons, the number seven is the number of divine fullness, perfection, and completeness. It is one of the perfect numbers and comes from a Hebrew word meaning to be complete, to be full, to be satisfied, to have enough. And you know, folks, that number differs from family to family. Not every family can have lots of children. It's not God's will for every family to have whatever number uh, you choose by the, the leadership of the Lord to, to have. It varies uh, from, one, uh, from one to the other. Look at me to, excuse me, uh, Proverbs 30. Proverbs chapter 30. One thing is true when it comes to children and having them. You know, the number seven speaks of completion, uh, and it means to be complete, to be full, to be satisfied, to have enough. In Proverbs chapter 30, there's something interesting that is, that is normal uh, for women to feel. In Proverbs 30 and 15, the horse leech hath two daughters crying, give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say, say not, it is enough. The grave and the barren womb, the earth that is not uh, filled with water, 
and the fire that saith not. It is enough. You know, we can see by the wildfires throughout our western states uh, today that the fire is not easily quenched. The, the fire never uh, seems to have enough. It, it wants to continue to burn and burn and burn. You know, so it is. It also talks about <clears throat> the barren womb. You know what? When a woman gets married, her, one of her desires, it's God-given, is for her to have children. Is it always God's will that women have children? Not in every case. And uh, we let the Lord decide that. There, there are extenuating circumstances. And uh, that, again, is a personal choice. But, you know, often when a woman can't have children, uh, she has a sense of ne never feeling satisfied as a wife and mother. Now, I don't know that that's probably true for every woman. Maybe there's some women who can feel satisfied without having children. I don't want to take one brush and paint all women with that brush, but it's important to understand that it's natural for women to, uh, uh, married women, wives, to want to feel like being mothers. And, um, and again, as we're talking about the number of seven, seven sons, uh, God would have women on the, on the whole, married women, to have children, to bear children. It is his, his plan for, if you will, their lives. And Psalm 127, Psalm 127, and we'll look at verse 3 through 5. <clears throat> Psalm 127 and verses 3 through 5. And again, children should be born in a home where there's a husband and a wife. Unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that way. And, uh, you know, sometimes children struggle because of a situation like that. It doesn't mean that they're not valuable to God or to the mom that bore them. It's just it creates problems that, uh, that sh they shouldn't have to deal with. And yet sometimes we find ourselves, women, having to deal with that. In Psalm 127, and let's look at verse 3. The Bible says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. And again, that, that is in context with the home. Okay? Not, you know, uh, you know people, people can, can involve, be involved in sowing and reaping and have children out of wedlock, and it's a matter of sowing and reaping, not necessarily the reward of God. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And there are some that would say, well, to, be, to have a, your quiver full is to have as many as you can. Well, I'm going to tell you something, folks. God, it's important we find God's will in the number of children that we have. And uh, the fact is, is that sometimes it's, it's human nature, unfortunately, for people to, to imagine that because uh, maybe one woman has more children than another woman, that somehow she is better than another woman. Folks, that is absolutely not true. And folks, that's a tendency that sometimes... That kind of an attitude, when it's, con when it's uh, conveyed to other people, creates envy in the hearts of those who don't feel that they can have as many children, and it becomes a stumbling block to other people. We know the story of Hannah. You know, Hannah was upset because her, she was a, her womb was barren. She hadn't had any children, and she went before God about it. And the Bible says that Peninnah, uh, her husband's other wife, became her enemy, meaning she rubbed her nose in it and made her feel like that she was a, le a lesser a wife and what have you. 
It created problems. It promoted pride where there shouldn't have been pride, and it caused envy where there shouldn't have had to be envy. If you look with me to Proverbs 16, uh, Proverbs 16, folks, the fullness of the womb, you know, when the, excuse me, the fullness of the home, the number of children is between you and the Lord. And ne- listen, never compare yourself with anyone else. The Bible says they comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Listen, don't ever compare yourself with somebody else. You know, my wife says that I'm cute, so don't compare yourself with me. You're not as cute as I am. Just get a grip, amen? Just get a grip. The reality is, is that we're all different. God made us to be different, our homes to be different. And uh, in Proverbs 16 and verse 18, the Bible says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be, to, uh, to, better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. The reality is, folks, we need to, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. We are not better than anybody else. We are what we are by the grace of God, and we have what we have uh, by the grace of God. We'll be talking about that more uh, next time. But anyway, as we're talking about the home, the number of children, uh, we're, we're talking about the number of seven tonight as a number of completion and satisfaction, what have you. Two times was the command given to be fruitful and multiplied and replenish the earth. Look with me to Genesis chapter 1 and 28. Genesis 1 and 28. Philosophy. Genesis 1 and 28 uh, promoted in the realm of Christianity that says that it is uh, God's continuing command that we seek to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. In Genesis 1 and 28, and God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That means to fill it and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, two times in the entire Bible do we see this command given for a reason. First, when God created man and there, weren't, there was only Adam and Eve. If there was going to be the human race, it would require uh, that they get busy as a husband and wife. And they lived, they lived for a thousand years, by, not by, by divine plan, before the, the flood. They lived a long time, and during that time they fathered uh, uh, many, ch- uh, Adam fathered many children, and the descendants fathered uh, many children in order to uh, fill the earth, Okay? But, you know, after a time, does that, you say, does that command continue? I don't believe so. I mean, is it your responsibility as in your home to take up that gauntlet, to take up that command and make it your business to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth? I don't think so. Two times it was given and for particular reasons, Genesis 9 and 1. Genesis 9 and 1. And the reason I address that issue is because um, there are those that propagate that philosophy. And again, in doing so, they imagine that they have some light that other people don't have. And oftentimes they use it as a point of contention. And the Bible says pride causeth contention. In their own pride, they can maybe there in their home, they can have lots of children. And certainly it's because they're fulfilling God's command, and if you don't hold that view, there's something wrong with you. 
Well, that's ridiculous. Genesis 9 and 1. And God blessed Noah. <clears throat> and Brother Olson, you don't have to worry about this. Okay. You don't have to worry about this. Well, you've already had your children. Don't have to worry about having more. Amen. Just in case you were worried. Huh? <laughs> sorry, Dan. I didn't, I didn't mean to wait. Ah, sorry. sorry about that. And God blessed Noah and said, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now, why did God say this the second time? Well, he has destroyed the world of man. Noah and his family are the only ones left alive. And if we're going to have a world of man, the, the human race to continue as God intended for it to do, then Noah and his family would have to have this command given to them and say, take it up and let's get it done. And you know, even after the flood, they still <coughs> lived longer lives and yet slowly the life expectancy of man uh, grew to be smaller. Now there are some other instances in, the, in, our, in our lives in general where we see the, the number seven used and the completeness of it like the human body. There's, it takes seven parts to be complete. Four limbs, a head, neck, and trunk. You know what's sad is that in the wars that we've seen in Afghanistan and Iraq, we've not seen but maybe 2,500 dead, and that's enough. That's enough. But what we have seen is a lot of our soldiers come back dismembered. And they've, they've had brain injuries, they have, they've lost members, and what, sometimes lost legs, sometimes lost nearly all their limbs. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Those people do not feel complete. They do not feel like complete people anymore because they've lost limbs and what have you. Does it make them less? Well, not really. They're not less important to God, and yet they feel less sometimes, I think, than human. In the head, there are seven holes. It takes seven holes to be complete. Say, is this important, preacher? I don't know, but it sounds good, amen. Are you awake with me tonight? Well, I'm telling you what. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> Seven holes to be complete. Two eyes, two ears, two in the nose. Amen. Can you imagine a nose with only one nostril? Life with one nostril? Is that important, preacher? I don't know, but it sounds strange. Amen. What if you only had half a nose? Wouldn't look right. And one important hole in your head. Now listen, I'm preaching. Let's get serious. Your mouth. Amen. It's hard to eat without a mouth. It's hard to talk without a mouth. <clears throat> I came up with a, the, uh, a perfect diet plan several years ago. I just have not been able to, uh, to implement it. I came up with the idea of cutting off my arms and sewing my lips shut, and I'm pretty sure I could lose weight. Amen. <laughs> but do you recommend that, preacher? No, no, I don't. And that's why I haven't written my book on diets. <clears throat> what about the seven classes of relationship of the first three? There's a father, mother, sisters, brother, wife, son, daughter. There's seven, if you will. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. <clears throat> now, you know what? We're in church, so I don't want you to see any smiling. 
okay? No laughing. Got to be serious at all times. The Bible says thus, verse 1, Genesis 2 and 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. Seven, it again, is a number of completion. Fulfillment, if you will, satisfaction. God was satisfied because everything that he made was good. Amen. And on the seventh day he rested. He said, I'm done with all my work. And what a blessing it was. Now, I think it's interesting that uh, Jesus rose again on the first day of the week. And I was thinking, I had this, this deep thought that came to me that I wonder if God did not create, begin to create, on Sunday. Well, where does it say that in the Bible? It doesn't necessarily say that. But it's interesting that the seventh day is a Sabbath day. It's Saturday. We begin, our, we begin the, the first day of the week, the Bible calls it, is Sunday. For us, we often are resting on Sunday. But it's really the first day of the week. Folks, you know, God began the creation on the first day. God began the, if you will, fulfill the new creation, if you will, on the first day with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that's deep, I understand, very deep. But you know what, folks, we're talking about a perfect God that does all things well and finishes what he starts, is complete in all that he does. Now we find in Revelation chapter 1, in the book of the Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. You know, folks, we could spend hours and days and years going through the number seven in the Bible. But in the book of the Revelation, it's interesting that throughout this book, you'll see the use of the number of seven (laughs) multitudes of times. And it's interesting because it's the last book. It's God completing his word. And he has some things to say about it here, if you will, in Revelation 1 and 4. The Bible says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. If you look at uh, verses 12 and 13. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the son of man clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle, and, uh, but he says here seven golden candlesticks. If you will, uh, look with me to verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength, if you will, Revelation 5 and 1. Revelation 5 and 1. And folks, it's no coincidence that God uses the number to, do, to, to deal with, if you will, his divine completion of things. And during the, book of the, during the time of the tribulation, God is going to be completing some things, particularly his judgment upon this world. In, in uh, Revelation 5 and 1, the Bible says, And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within on the backside and sealed with seven uh, seals, if you will. Verse 6 
And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. In Revelation 8 and 1, Revelation 8 and verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven uh, trumpets, if you will, Revelation 10 and 1. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as a pillar of fire. And he had in his uh, hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth and when he had cried seven thunders uttered their voices and when the seven thunders had uttered their voices I was about to write and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me seal up that seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not Revelation 12 and verse 1 Revelation 12 And verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, and the moon was under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, uh, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered to devour, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, speaking of Christ. And her child was caught up into God and to his throne. And the woman, speaking of Israel, fled in the wilderness where she had a, a, a place prepared of God that, uh, that they should feed her their uh, thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven... Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And one of these days, the, the devil, the great accuser of the brethren, will not have access to heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which was deceived of the whole world, he was cast out of the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Again, repeatedly the number seven is used within these things. Revelation 22 and 18. Revelation 22 and 18. <clears throat> and many would like to try to add to the Bible these final prophecies. And yet to do so is a, is a terrible thing. It's a thing worthy of judgment in Revelation 22 and 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away the, uh, from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth of these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, and the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, it's not talking about just the book of the Revelation. 
But from Genesis to Revelation, repeatedly the Lord says not to add to or to take away from the Word of God. And if you will, folks, it's important as we talk about dealing with Job and his children, the number of his children is important. God is involved in it. We see that in the number three. We see that God is complete in doing that work. And then when you put the two numbers together, you have another special number called the number 10. And the number 10 appears here in addition, three daughters and seven sons. The number 10 is the number of perfection or completeness in divine order. It is a perfect number. It is a number of sufficiency according to God's purpose and divine order and human responsibility. And that's important because when we consider the home, God has a divine order for uh, bringing children into this world and man is responsible for following God's divine order in the home or for bringing children into this world. When we bring children into this world outside of a home situation, we are violating God's divine order, God's divine plan, and in doing so, we have failed in our responsibility to God because of it. Does that make us worse than others? Well, you know what, folks? What's sad to me is that young people are growing up and they're being taught that it's normal to have children out of wedlock. That is not normal. That is against God's divine order, God's divine plan for bringing children into this world. Again, we do not not love those children that have come in outside of God's plan. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. To do it uh, against the plan and divine order of God is to bring our children into a situation that God didn't want them to have to live with. Amen. It's important that children come into a genuine proper home setting and a proper home situation so they can have a father and a mother so they can have an opportunity and uh, uh, to, to enjoy if you will the blessing of God's divine order you know, you know I'm going to tell you something this is not just for Christians folks it's for all of mankind God intended for all of mankind to follow a divine order a divine plan and yet we see even in America that plan destroyed because you know, we have sometimes more children born out of wedlock than in a proper home setting. And that should upset us. That should alarm us. Now, you, know, you say, well, what about people that are find themselves in that situation? There is forgiveness with God because it's a sin. It's, there is forgiveness with God. But what, what happens is we bring them into a situation that creates problems that they shouldn't have to deal with. Amen? Children should not have to learn to deal with that kind of thing. And I, you know, I, I feel bad for, for people who have had children out of wedlock and they're struggling with children and what have you because they don't have a proper home setting. I would to God that I could do something to fix that for them. It wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's order. And man fails in their responsibility when they don't do things according to God's order. And there's forgiveness with God without fail. But the problem is, is that what we sow, we reap. And sometimes our world and our nation is reaping the whirlwind. Our children that are growing up in this nation today are reaping the whirlwind of violating God's divine order for the home. And it's not what God wants. It's not what I want as a pastor. 
And really, folks, when people find themselves in the mess that comes from it, I don't really believe it's what they really want. But sometimes they don't stop and think about the consequences and responsibility that comes from our actions. Divorce, remarriage, we got adultery, all kinds of crazy nonsense. Because folks are violating God's divine order in the matter of human sexuality. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. No good comes from that. There can be forgiveness for those who violate, but understand, on what level do you want to deal with trouble? You know, in a normal home, when we have normal children, if there are such animals, amen, you know, they have problems. It's, it's, it's not easy to raise children and help them to grow up and be and do what God wants them to do. But, you know, factor in then the mess we make of, of, of our responsibility to, to, to adhere to God's order. You know what? We have a mess. And we create problems that, you know what, folks, God never intended. And we ought to be gracious to those who find themselves in that mess. Because but for the grace of God. You know, I came this close to marrying a girl before I got saved. And I were probably in a divorce and my life would have been a wreck. And even after I got saved, you know, it's funny. God, I got saved, God called me to preach, and that same woman called me back. She didn't want nothing to do with God. She called me back and suddenly wanted to get married. And I realized if I marry this woman, I'm marrying out of God's will. She wasn't saved. And if I married her and we managed to have some semblance of a marriage and have children, I just thought to myself, you know what? It's probably going to fall apart because for one thing, I would have put myself in an unequal yoke. I would have created a problem that my family, if I'd had children, what have you, would have lived with and the consequences. Now, I thank God that God was gracious enough to knock me in the head and say, what are you doing? (laughs) Wake up, don't do that. And I didn't. Not because I'm so smart, but because God is so gracious. Helped me to see it. And then gave me a blessed wife right there. Amen. And I had a proper home. I had proper children. Not sure if any of them were really human. But they're <laughs> but one of them is here tonight. I love teasing them. <laughs> you know, they're the only reason I believe in aliens. Amen. But anyway, you know, there is a divine order. There is a divine plan. Amen. And, uh, you know, the number 10 points us back to God's divine. You know, in the human body, we have five fingers on each hand. And, you know, if we don't have five fingers, kind of throws things out of whack. But five fingers on each hand help us to take our responsibility in a divine work for God. Ten toes on our feet. Give us the ability to take our responsibility to walk in a divine walk with the Lord. Amen. If you will, God brought ten plagues upon Egypt to show his power, his might, and and his divine work in judgment. Ten plagues on purpose. Ten plagues on purpose. Ten commandments on purpose. In Ten Commandments, we see God's divine order for how we deal with God and with man. In Ten Commandments. And what we find in these Ten Commandments 
is that in every case, we fail in our responsibility to God and man. We're sinners. But you know what that shows us? The need for redemption and salvation. There's not a human being alive that's ever lived and ever will live that is able to keep the Ten Commandments perfectly. None of us. Not me, not anyone in this room, not anyone who's ever lived. If you will, Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And let's look in verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. What law? The law of the Ten Commandments. Moral law. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, you know what's important? In Ten Commandments, what we find is God's perfect order in dealing with God and in dealing with man. And yet, there's never been a man alive, or man, woman, or what have you, who has ever been able to keep that divine order. The law then shows us, the law then shows us we are guilty sinners. You know what sin is? Sin is the, 1 John 3 and 4, sin is the violation or transgression of the law of God. But let's read on. Therefore, it says here in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, uh, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness which is of God by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace or God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness or Christ's righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of, of God to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness or again Christ's righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Folks, you know what? God wants to, if you will, justify you before the throne of God when you realize you can't justify yourself. When you acknowledge before God, you know what, Lord? You're right. In Ten Commandments, I am a guilty sinner. But we, we cry out to God by faith in the Christ. The Bible says Christ died the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but quickened by his spirit. Folks, Christ died for us. You know what, folks? So that he can give us his righteousness so that he might justify us before a holy God and folks take our sin upon himself. The Bible says he became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Folks, thanks be to God that God is gracious, God is good. And folks, even in in these silly numbers, the number three, the number seven, the number ten, in all of these things, folks, it's pointing us to God, it's pointing us to Christ, it's pointing us to our responsibility, it's pointing us to where we failed our responsibility, it's pointing us to, to the one who can, you know what? Fix the failure. The one and only one who can fix the failure. And that's Christ. Amen.
You may be here and you may say, well, I failed at everything. I failed in my home. I failed in here. I failed there. Do you know what, folks? Christ came to redeem us, to save us from our own failings. And God loves you. God wants to save you by his grace. God wants to forgive you. God wants to give you an opportunity to begin again. Amen. Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's called a new creation, a new birth. You know, we, we're, we've talked about creation a little bit. God wants to give you a, an opportunity to have a new life, a new creation in Christ. Amen. And I thank God for that because, folks, where would any of us be without that? Nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com. Thank you.